0: Hello and welcome to Inside Business, a podcast from the Irish Times. Today we're going to walk about. I'm going to take you on an exclusive tour of one of the biggest construction projects in Dublin. The 100 million euro redevelopment of the former central bank building on Dame Street. The project has been taken on by US real estate investment and development company Heinz with its Hong Kong partner, Peterson. I went to the site and I met Brian Moran, the country head in Ireland of Heinz. Brian, um, thank you for letting us in, giving us a sneak preview, if you like, of what this building is going to be uh, is going to look like. Tell us a little bit about uh, the history of this from your point of view.
1: You're very welcome. Well, the, the project came up for sale as the central bank relocated uh, back down to the docks. Uh, it, it has a, it's an interesting complex of buildings. You have a number three buildings along Dame Street which are largely refurbished at this point in time, and then the very unique and iconic uh, building designed by Sam Stevenson, the old Central Bank building. Unique because the building's actually hung, uh, which is probably the only one in Ireland of that nature. The big heavy work is largely done at this point in time, and now we're starting to put the windows in, close it out, and uh, in Dublin we'll get to see, you know, what will be quite a spectacular new plaza, renovated, expanded from what it was previously, and indeed the rooftop attraction, which will allow, ultimately, the public access to the roof to view the city. Okay, I'm going to head straight up to the roof to begin our tour, let's go. Here we go. So
0: standing on the rooftop of the Central Bank, we're up on a plinth and we're facing south towards Dublin Mountains. Oh, it's bit right. of a grim day, but you can certainly have a fantastic view of the whole of South Dublin city from this, uh, certainly from this aspect. So what's actually going to be on top of the, the new Central Bank, if you like?
1: So when you arrive at the central plaza down below, you'll actually have two stairs, one going up to the office building, and the other one going down to a slightly sunken, sunken plaza. And in that sunken plaza will be an entrance, and that actually will be the dedicated entrance to the rooftop. So you'll then go into that foyer, and then there'll be two dedicated high-speed lifts will take you right up to what effectively is about 14 stories up at the, at the level we're standing at now. You come out into, you can see the size of the space, is about 2,000 square meters, 20,000 square feet, which is a very, very big floor plate. You arrive in the center here, and then there'll be a number of stairs will take you up to Uh, Effectively, a dining and drinking area with, again, in a glass shell, but uninterrupted views around the city. So when you go to dine, you go to drink, effectively, you'll be able to sit down and get these views right over the city.
0: Now, after taking in the views of Dublin and its surrounding counties and getting a bit wet in the process, we went back down eight flights of stairs to the ground floor, which has been completely transformed from its central bank
1: days. You can see in the foyer here, We've really opened it up when you came in here, when the was Central Bank was, was using it. There was so many security doors and you know, barriers that you couldn't appreciate the original concept that that Sam Stevenson had had, which was a very grand entrance foyer, really high. Uh, you can see we've kept the original stonework. We'll be restoring that. And this area here behind us is where we've pushed out the glass a little bit more.
0: We're looking back towards
1: Temple Bar Temple now. Temple Bar, so you have this big glazed window looking at, right at the Temple Bar. And this will be if you work in the building and you want to have a quick meeting or just you know without taking your clients upstairs, it'll just be a a sort of lounge area for for workers in the building to sort of hang out if you want.
0: Brian, for you, what do you think the special appeal of this building will be? Obviously it's a great location and there's lots of history there, but the job you're doing here is is
1: going to take it to a new level. The building itself, as you go through the floors, the views from the floors are quite spectacular. Uh, Every floor has you know uninterrupted views as you walk around the city. So in addition to that, as I mentioned, all around the ground floor area there will be bars, there'll be restaurants. You have a lot of amenities here as well. It's a perfect location. It is right. At, you know, if you stick a pin on the map and say, where you know is the most easily accessible place in the city, it's pretty much here.
0: The job is a really big one. A 45 by 50 meter building giving 8,500 square metres of office space... That's a clip from a documentary about the central bank's construction in the 1970s, highlighting its architectural and technical sophistication. Each base incorporates 40 tonnes of high tensile steel reinforcement and is 750 millimetres thick.
1: For Dublin, it was advanced for its day, but its construction was mired in controversy. Sam Stevenson was very much the architect of the moment. And he conceived what he wanted to, it was an American-style building, you know, on on Dame Street. Uh, that was 1969. Um, yeah, by the, and then it ran into challenges then because he, he built; they they hadn't fully contemplated all the trusses and the height of them. And when they started to build, it was noticed it was too big.
0: After many complaints that the building is exceeding its permitted height, construction is halted in October of 1974.
1: Eventually, it was allowed to finish, but the truss were left exposed and then subsequently covered. But so his vision for the roof was never. Uh, it was always a bit of a, a little bit of a half baked up there. Um, and then they, the central bank occupied this till they realised they needed new, more modern office space, moved to the docks and then, uh, you know, basically handed us the keys to it.
0: Brian, just tell us a little bit about Heinz's interest. Why did you choose the old central bank building? Because it is a protected structure, right? It's Sam Stevenson. A lot of people feel very fondly about it. It's been here a long time, quite unusual in the landscape. Why did Heinz decide to take
1: it on? Well, first thing, we're we're very passionate about uh, city centre mixed-use developments, where you can combine office uses, uh, residential, uh, retail, and and, and restaurant uses all in the one type of building. We've no residential in this particular development, but those mixed-use city centre projects, and they often involve quite a bit of renovation. So this is no different. Uh, We obviously have to take on this project, but this particular building was completely different, as you say. It's not actually listed but it is one that is considered by the planners protected so we had to sit down with the city council planners and go through the plans in a lot of detail before we got planning and they effectively said look on balance what we don't want to do is list it and prohibit getting the restoration done let's work with you and as long as what you're doing to the building is fully uh, it, it works with the building then then we can live with that uh, one interesting thing was when we found the when we Bought the building, and we actually found the original drawings by Sam Stevenson in the attic. Actually, they were stored here. And when we designed the roof profile, the final roof profile that would go back onto the building, uh, the glass roof is actually matching the original design that Sam Stevenson did, which never got built because, as you know, there was a controversy that he built it too high and he had to bring it back down. So we've managed to actually work with the original profile of the roof. Difference this time is the roof will be a, gla- a glazed structure, so it illuminated at night and it will be where people will be able to go. Obviously, back in his day, he had designed it as a plant room.
0: Right, okay, and it's going to have the terrace as well. Now, we're in the middle of a housing crisis in Dublin. Why no residential?
1: So, I suppose, to be honest, none of the floor plates of these buildings would have been really suitable for residential. You can see where we are right now is really a, a large open-plan office space, and that would be the, the best use and, indeed, what the planners wanted for this building. The other buildings uh, over there, again, are smaller in nature. You couldn't put a large residential development in it, so much better suited to office, retail, and uh, food and beverage uses at, at the lower level. Okay, so who's taking the offices and how many people will be in here when it's all fully kitted out? So the, the office floors, uh, we, we've already leased some of the other buildings, so Amtrust, uh, a US insurance company, has taken building over there on Dame Street. This, These floors, eight floors, are all leased to WeWork. Uh, for, uh, obviously, you, you, people have heard of the company, uh, a well-known uh, brand in the uh, sort of co- co-working uh, sort of providing service offices to big corporations. So we, we think about 1,200 people will be working here when, it's, when it opens.
0: OK, now WeWork's been in the headlines recently. They've got, they're in some difficulties at the moment. Are they still going to be occupying Central Plaza because they're pulling
1: out of a lot of leases that they took? Yeah, no, leases signed here. So we've, uh, we did that long before they ran into their current ECOP. So at this point in time, the intention is that they will proceed on and, and get this leased up. We understand they've already had very significant interest in the building uh, from various tech companies, the building is, as you know, incredibly iconic. The views that we can see out the window here are, are in, in a Dublin context, unique. So we understand that some of their pre marketing that they've done to various companies have been very, very, very strong.
0: Right. And you just realise, actually, looking out these windows, how low rise the city Dublin is. What are your thoughts on that? As somebody involved with a company that's uh, obviously.
1: In the United States, they tend to build uh, tall in a lot of cities, and I'm sure Hines have been involved in a lot of those projects over the years. Correct. Well, I think for a long time in in Dublin City, we've been very cautious about height. I think that's correct in the Georgian areas, uh, the low-rise areas of the city. I think we've uh, maybe handicapped ourselves in terms of of developing as a city, not going higher rise. It's quite interesting when you speak to the the average guy on the street, they'll walk into La in Paris, or they'll go to walk down... Fifth Avenue in New York, and be actually like the buildings and think the context is very nice, but yet it seems to have been an issue that in Dublin that wasn't acceptable. Look, that's changed now, and I think over the next number of years, we're going to see a number of higher-rise buildings start to emerge, hopefully in the right locations, like in the docklands or to the west of the city, over towards you know, former uh, brewery lands and the other lands over there toward, towards the Guinness Brewery. You'll see higher-rise buildings emerge in due course.
0: So, a very extensive and a very complex refurbishment of this building. What's the price tag?
1: On this building, on this building, this development. Ooh, well, uh, in terms of the order of magnitude of renovation costs, um, you know, it's it, it certainly going to hit around 100 million by the time it's fully renovated. Wow!
0: So that's in excess of what was initially reported. It's something around 75 million, I think, was initially so that's speculated the upon.
1: So cost, if you want, uh, buying it. But then, in terms of, re- I'm really focused on the actual construction renovation costs.
0: Right. So 75 to buy, 100 to renovate. You know, in and around
1: those numbers. In and around those numbers, okay. So how long before you get your money back on a project like this? Well, look, we're 80% lease now, which is, which is great. So we have visibility on 80% of the income. Uh, we have another 20% to go, which is some of the last few shops. We think the retailers will take a little bit of time. we will have to be closer to being finished to get them on board. But then at that point in time, we will have contracted rent that is a very strong return on our, on our money. So um, we are, in this particular case, our business plan with Peterson, is to sell once we've completed so but we need to get to that point in time first and get the income fully stabilized get the building finished and then more than likely we would transact the building on the market sure so when do you open for business here so we would see the first uh, elements of this finishing next summer so i'd say sort of august or so Uh, and then i imagine the tenants will be fitting out till you know around this time next year so you'll see a phased occupation from the end of the summer through to christmas
0: so 2021 really before the building is mostly
1: occupied correct but for example the plaza that we spoke about down you know that, that'll be finished so that'll be back open to the public by i guess the end of the summer right okay
0: um now tell us a little bit about heinz um where 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 did it come from if you like and there's a characterization of overseas property investment companies at the minute as vulture funds or as cuckoo funds coming in buying up uh, land or projects in ireland for cheap
1: um, doing them up maybe or flipping them on uh, for a big profit Hines is, is, is kind of a, well, It's a unique company globally in the sense that it, it is not just an investor, we're a developer, we're an asset manager, and in many cases we provide services to companies in real estate just for a fee. So we're, we're an independent provider, if you want. The company was founded by Jerry Hines in 1957 in Houston uh, during the initial oil boom down there, and he sp- eventually spread out across the United States and then took the company global. Uh, we operate in retail, uh, we operate in residential, so in student housing, uh, residential developments, we 're in data centers, industrial, and we're probably one of the biggest office owners in the world, so it's a very multi- multifaceted company in terms of how we fund ourselves or where we get capital. We, we have many different sources of capital somewhere large pension funds commission us to do large projects with them. For example, we have a very big partnership with Dutch pension fund here in Dublin, APG, where we're building a lot of uh, residential to rent. Uh, on the other hand, we work with Peterson, a Hong Kong-based investor on this particular deal. So we are very much, for many investors, a go-to, uh, if you want, partner, where they're looking for somebody with real estate experience, real estate skill, uh, and, and they want to co-invest with us on these projects.
0: And what do you say to the characterization by some of overseas investors as vulture funds?
1: Look, there's no question that when they... The, market crashed here you know the the firm that the phase is used whether it's fair or not is another issue but there are people come in and buy distressed debt with the view to the market recovering and then selling that distressed debt that's long over here now i mean i think the market has recovered so what you're seeing right now is that a lot of the funds that came in during that distress time are exiting to longer term investors pension funds indeed a lot of the current uh, activity in the marketplace in the commercial market is with long, you know, German pension funds, Dutch pension funds, uh, who are the long-term stable type investors that any advanced economy would, would love to have because they're not coming in and out. They're providing you know, a lower cost of capital, looking for longer-term returns. And what I'm seeing right now in the market is the vast bulk of all transactions are being uh, you know, driven by that type of money.
0: What's your view of the Irish economy? What's the Heinz view of the Irish economy right now? Because there are fears that the property market here is starting to get frothy again, that we may be heading back to the kind of bubble that we had in the Celtic Tiger years,
1: uh, and fears of another recession or another crash. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting, statistically, uh, You know, and, and our research department at Heinz looks at a lot of statistics, they'd say, well, we're due a, a cooling off period, or, or because our, our, the, if you want, the recovery here has been a much longer cycle than, than would be normal. I think, though, if you look at a lot of the fundamentals, the economy is going well. Employment is good. You know, retail spend is up. So, actually, the only if there and there has to be some sort of a slowdown, but it's not going to be a big one, or it's not going to be a crash of any form. It'll just be a, a natural slowdown while the cycle recalibrates, because the fundamentals remain very strong in terms of FDI investment here, uh, productivity education, all the positive things you have in this country, and indeed immigration. In fact, we're, we're very receptive to it and seem to be able to bring in a, a, as much labour as we need for all the businesses that want to recruit people from abroad. So uh, p- very positive, but I think at any moment of time over the next number of years, we would expect a slowdown for a period, but not a crash by any means.
0: Yeah. Now, there were concerns that like Brexit, you know, the impact it might have on the Irish economy. Did it give any pause for thought for Heinz? in terms of this project or some of the other projects you have underway
1: at Ireland to maybe just sit in your hands for now and wait and see what the outcome from Brexit is? I don't think so. I think in the UK, yes. I think in, in Ireland, if anything, uh, what we've seen is greater office take-up in the city centre on the back of Brexit, so definitely we, I, we can see and track various companies, be it legal firms or banks or insurance companies, that have you know, put a, a flag in, in, in Dublin, so to speak, that would not have done so uh, were it not for Brexit. I also think uh, many of the tech companies are expanding their footprint here where they want that European workforce that they don't know if they can get in London going forward. So I think it's been very positive for Dublin. I, that's not to say it's positive for Ireland overall. Uh, undoubtedly, in the agricultural sector and other areas, they're, they're, some of those are going to be hit, just already being hit, I'm sure, from the uncertainty. But from a Dublin real estate perspective, uh, Brexit, if anything, has been, has been positive.
0: So Brian, we're walking over towards the window. We're looking uh, north across the Liffey, across the city. You mentioned earlier that there's a very unique construction in this building. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, well, we're looking out the window here and we can see uh, 12 bars, if you want. Now, they're, they're aluminium cladding and within those, there's actually a very thin uh, steel bar called a McAloy bar. It's a very, very, very strong steel that is made in Sheffield in, in England. Uh, as part of the restoration, th- those have, have been fully restored. So we had to take off the shell, we had to clean them back, sandblast the actual original bars, double-check them, and then you can see that they've all been perfectly uh, put back together again. But each two of those bars uh, are for each floor. So effectively, this floor, if you want, is held up on two of those bars. And they, and for each, so for each floor, you actually end up with 24 bars holding that floor. And that's the only thing holding this floor up, and then the core in the centre. So it's a very unique... essentially uh, suspended from the roof then? Suspended from the roof. So up on the roof you have a truss that hangs out over the edge. These bars drop down and then clip into the floor at the edge and that's what holds it up. So it's clearly an incredible piece of engineering. Uh, When we stripped the bars down, we we took one of them back to England. We tested it to stress, stress tested to, to destruction. And indeed it was as strong as the day was put in. So they're good for another few hundred years. Right, that's good to know, especially as we're standing on, I
0: don't know what floor it is. Brian, you must have had a lot of observations from people here who would have been quite fond of this building and the association it had with Sam Stevenson, who was a controversial but a, a well-loved architect in Ireland.
1: Yeah, so when we bought the building, we were very conscious that, uh, and indeed many people reached out to us to say, what are the plans? So we spent quite a bit of time with the councillors, the local councillors. We spent time with Antashka and also various residents and other groups from in and around the area, various architectural uh, experts to get their opinions, to take them through. So we ran a series of meetings where as we evolved our designs and the restorations, we actually showed them what we were going to do. And through that process, we got, you know, people were saying, it looks fine. It wasn't scary. They could see the idea was to fully restore all the key elements of the building. Yes, we are bringing a little bit of innovation to the roof and at the, in and around the ground level where we're making it way more active if you remember when the plaza was there, you had these brutalist big walls. They will actually now be glass boxes with cafes and bars around them. So it'll add a lot more life to it. But it was done in a way that respected the original building, doesn't change the integrity of it. And indeed, the roof truss that nobody could ever see because it was hidden will actually be fully exposed. So you'll be able to see how the, old, the engineering actually works. And did go up and have a, a meal sitting among all those bars and actually watch, watch that and understand it a lot better. So a lot of buy-in from people. There was talk of a hotel here at one time. Did you consider that? We did. We looked at the hotel idea, but just if you look at the floors where we are right now, by the time we put in bathrooms and the you know all the services you need for a hotel, we actually were destroying the floor plates and breaking up the building too much. So when you look at an office open plan like this, actually it respects the building an awful lot more and indeed was more consistent with the original tent that uh, Sam had when he designed it.
0: Now, presumably you're hoping this will become something of a tourist mecca as well, especially with the rooftop restaurant with 360-degree views of
1: Dublin. I know down in the storehouse they have the Gravity Bar and that's very popular with tourists. Yeah, I, I think so. I and mean, I think it will be. I, I think the, it, it's different to the Gravity Bar. Obviously, that's another experience. This is largely going to be food and beverage, so you'll be going there to have a drink, or indeed going to have a meal. Uh, I I imagine when it opens, uh, because it'll be so unique and particularly being able to dine at that level and to get those views that will become very, very popular. Hence why we've separated the entrance uh, and put it completely separate from the rest of the building, in case there is, so that they can manage the demand, actually, which is one of the things the operator is very concerned about. Yeah.
0: Tell us a little bit about your other projects in Ireland. Uh, Cherrywood
1: is a big one that you have on the go at the moment. Cherrywood has been a, a massive project for us, uh, undoubtedly a huge undertaking. As you know, about 400 acres out there. We have built all the infrastructure at this point, by and large, most of the infrastructure, and opened up the land. The town centre element, we're on site with about 1,000 units currently. Another 400 will go on site early next year, and then the retail will follow. And then we've sold the rest of the the housing land to other home builders outside the town centre, which was always part of our business plan, uh, that we would stick with the more complex town centre elements, and then we bring other builders to do those other elements. So if you go to Cherrywood today, you'll see about 10 cranes up in the town centre. It's, It's a huge hive of activity. And going into next year, you're going to see three or four other home builder developers actively building uh, out on the site. The parks are in, uh, there's 83 acres of parks. Uh, the playing fields are there. Uh, we planted over 3,000 mature trees, they're about four metres tall. So they'll be about six metres tall by the time the first residents are moving in. And the Department of Education have just told us that they're now taking names for the first school uh, that will open there next September, which they're going to open in prefabs and then actually have their full first, full first 700 pupil schools open for the following year. So an awful lot of activity out there. That's been a big focus for us. Um, the other big, large uh, residential-led development we're doing right now is down at Bailey Gibson and Players' Wills off the South Circular Road, and that we're in the pre-planning stage, about to lodge the first of a number of planning applications early next year, and again, a very exciting project uh, right in the city centre, again, residential-led, uh, which, you know, a big piece of work for us. Yeah, sure. What about Clonliffe? Um, well, we, as people have noted in the, in the papers, we have been involved in discussions there I, I, you know, let 's see how that pans out over the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, this is the college 's been sold to the GA and the GA is selling on a parcel of land. Essentially, that, that's what's happening there. Um, you've also been name-checked against the Diageo development uh, down at the St. James's Gate Brewery.
1: I think you're one of uh, three parties, is it, still, still in? That's what we've read eventually. in the media, yes.
0: Well, you can fill <laughs> us in right now. You can tell us the latest.
1: Well, I'd love to tell you more, but unfortunately, uh, as you can imagine, my hands are tied on these sort of things as they are for, for other people as well. Right. So is Heinz going to be a long-term investor in Ireland, or is it quick in, quick out? So, Heinz, we're, this is the, we're now in 21 city, cities, if you want, or countries around the world. We're actually in 200 cities, 21 countries, and Heinz don't enter a country unless they stay, so we've never entered a country and gone, um, so I actually worked with Heinz for the first time in, in Russia in the 90s, uh, when they entered the market there, and uh, typically they go into the market uh, and build a platform, which is, again, as a multi-product, so they're involved in asset management, development, retail, office, so they become very established across uh, if you want a wide base of real estate and the whole agenda being that becomes a sustainable platform that stays forever there's no agenda to leave whatsoever it's very much about building a team here of of, of irish guys and girls who can develop complex large real estate projects
0: right Uh, anything else on your radar that we should know about you can tell us anything now brian you know that
1: (laughs) Well, look, I, I think look, we, uh, as a firm, we have a strong belief in the, long, in the market here in Ireland. Certainly, I recently presented to the Heinz family in London about two weeks ago, my annual business plan. And they, you know, as part of that process, the capital markets team within Heinz have set me some very hard agenda uh, in terms of uh, investing here over the next number of years. So we have a lot of capital to invest across other mixed use projects like this. So if we could find another project like this, we'd be very interested very interested in stabilized assets and we're also very interested in developing more large master plan residential led developments such as Cherrywood or or the players type development they they really are attractive to us they're complex they take you know many hundreds of millions to to develop but there we we do them a partnership with large pension funds who have a long 10 15 year you know agenda and that's kind of a nice type of investment to do because you're looking for stable long-term income it's not about a quick in and out it's about you know Actually, building them correctly upfront, so that from a, even from a maintenance perspective, they're, they're, going to, they're not going to involve m- many repairs in the future.
0: Now, Brian, you're an experienced property professional. In your view, is the government and the, the planners in this city uh, are they doing the right things in terms of property? Are we building too many offices versus residential? Were they doing? Were they right in removing the cap, for example, on the height of buildings, and changing the spec for apartments, and introducing schemes like Help to Buy,
1: or are we going down the wrong path? I think if, if you read you know, Rebuilding Ireland, the fundamentals are, are, are very positive. I think they've, they've identified the pillars, and most of the actions taken are very positive and are and will lead to a lot more development. We, de- you know, I don't think we're building any more offices. We're building enough offices. We need more. As you see, every bit of office that's built in Dublin is absorbed. So. I don't think, there's a, it's not a case of resi versus offices. We do have one challenge and I think that is in the higher density urban apartments, which are so expensive to build. So it works for a pension fund renting them out. Uh, that's a profitable business, but to build an apartment, a two bedroom apartment, just to pay the contractor, it costs us about 350,000 euros. If you add on some site costs and some profit and, and, and finance fees to the bank, you're at about 450,000 euros for a two bedroom apartment. That's not a first-time buyer's uh, price point, and that is a challenge. And we have to look at other cities like London and and other countries that have found ways to develop affordable uh, apartments. Otherwise, people who are looking for affordable purchase are going to have to go further out of the city, and that's not a good idea. Obviously, there are plenty of people who are happy to do that, but I think we have to find. Uh, I think the one thing we have to focus on is finding a way to uh, get the price point of apartments for purchase down in the city centre, and that is a real challenge. Partially because the, the apartment code's very good; I think they, they make a lot of sense. We're now in line with the European norms, uh, but you know we, we're constantly ratcheting up the performance of buildings in terms of NZEB, which is the near zero. Uh, Energy requirements of the buildings, and all these things add. You know, it's ten thousand here, it's fifteen thousand there. They all add to the cost of apartments. I'm not saying we shouldn't do it, but we've got to recognise when we make a policy decision to do this, it's actually pushing the afford. You know, they the, making the apartment less and less accessible to a, to a, a first-time buyer or somebody who wants to buy. Uh, albeit, there's plenty of people who rent them, and that's fine, and that's you know one part of the market. But we have to see a stronger purchase market in apartments.
0: Brian, you have been in the game a long time. You must get a, a kick out of a project like this when you finally get to open it, you finally get to cut the ribbon, some politician or local planner or celebrity or whatever
1: comes along and does the, d- the honours uh, for you and you know, that, that'll happen when you, when you finish up here. I think so. I think when, you, when that moment happens, you're also tempered by the scars of all the challenges you have to build it you know, on a wet, windy day like today when you, know, you don't get the productivity you want you know, and the contractors are slower and you, you have challenges. But, you know, as you say, when the, when the door finally opens and you, you, the ribbon gets cut, you tend to forget all of that and you, you look at the positivity of what's actually been done. All right. Well, Brian, we wish you luck on this side. Good luck. Thank you very much.
0: Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Brian Moran and his colleagues at Heinz for facilitating our visit to Central Plaza. Declan Conlon produced the show with JJ Vernon as sound engineer. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn each day. I'm Ciarán Hancock. Until next time, take care.